We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 84 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. We've got a packed show. We're breaking down Gamecocks men's basketball. South Carolina dropping two games in a row to both Mississippi State and Alabama. Also, we're talking football. Football is back with spring practice. We'll give our top storylines, key position battles, biggest things we're looking for, and more. Also talk some Carolina baseball as South Carolina takes on the Clemson Tigers this weekend, the annual rivalry series. We also have a very, very special interview with former Gamecocks linebacker Bryson Allen Williams as we break down his career at South Carolina going through coaching changes this past 2018 season, getting ready for the NFL Combine, and much, much more. Before we get to all that, this show is brought to you by our YouTube page. Please be sure to go check out the Spurs Up show on YouTube as we have a bunch of new video content coming to you guys later this week and going on to the summer, to the fall as well. We'll be dropping a bunch of new fire on our YouTube page that's at the Spurs Up Show. It's also brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket-buying app by far, the only place I go to go buy my tickets. I actually bought my tickets for all three of the Carolina Clemson baseball games over on SeatGeek. Go download SeatGeek. Use the promo code SPURSUP to get $10 off your first purchase. Again, like I said, it's the best ticket-buying app by far and the only one I'd recommend. They actually rate the tickets for you based on a system where a color-coding system, you know if you're getting a really, really good deal based on a green meter, and you know if you're getting kind of ripped off, getting a bad deal based on the red meter next to the ticket deal. Honestly, it's the only place I'd go buy my tickets. You can get everything from South Carolina basketball, baseball, NBA, NHL, AAF, any comedy club concerts, events you're going to, anything you can buy tickets to. You can get them over at SeatGeek. So go download SeatGeek, use the promo code SPURSUP, and save $10 off your first purchase. All right, let's get into it. Chris Phillips, he's Thomas Floyd. Tom, good to have you back on the show. I know you were absent last week. Obviously, had some stuff going on, uh, but it's a pleasure to have you back on, man. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, it's always a great week to be a Gamecock. I'm kind of stuck right now, and last week I had some tests come up and some other stuff. School's first for you guys who didn't know. I'm obviously still in school at Carolina, but had some stuff come up there. My tests are tough. But Tom, Tom is truly the definition of a student athlete minus yeah. 
The athlete the part. Athlete part, yeah. <laughs> but, um, student comes not, first, either way. Yeah, either way, I'm a full time student. But you're, you're not uh, a student athlete. You're a student podcaster. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm a student podcaster who has a job too, and I'm at my, in like it. two weeks. I'm gonna have two jobs, so like it's gonna be a grind. It really grind then, but absolutely it's a great so, time to be alive. Obviously, you are a New England guy through and through. You know, we talk the Patriots a lot, but I mean, baseball season now in full swing. Spring training in the works. Red Sox. Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting a home run the day. You pretty excited for baseball, or you're just or just Bro, Tom, let me Thomas Floyd you, wait till August or September to get into that. I watched, I think maybe three regular season Red Sox games. I think it was when they played the Yankees, and I think I watched the in the AL. DS, we played the Yankees. ALCS, we played the Astros. And then the World Series, we played Los Angeles. And I watched I watched pretty much the entire postseason. But, like, you're never going to catch me watching a regular season post a regular season baseball game unless it's against the Yankees or someone just has it on. Like, I'm not really going to pay attention to it because it's, like, it's regular season baseball. It's like I expect for it to be a Boston team for them to make the playoffs. Like, I, I don't care about it. <laughs> I, I will say fair enough because even me being as, busy, as big of a baseball guy as I am, it, it's very, very. You know, I'm a Braves. It's I'm a Braves fan, but it's very hard. I get very excited for opening day, the first month. I'm watching a good bit, but it's very hard to watch MLB games in June, July. It's just it's tough. I think the regular season is too long. That's another conversation for another day for another podcast. I think the regular season is a little bit too long, though. But you know, it, it is what I it mean, is. Now. Cut it to 100 games and make the stakes higher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just that's a lot of games. June, July. It doesn't feel like the games are really really mean a whole lot, but, you know, baseball is kind of an old school game, so it is what it is. But, all right, let's talk about some basketball. Gamecocks on the hardwood. We're going to start with basketball. Um, again, we're recording this, as you guys know, on Tuesday night. South Carolina just dropping their game to Alabama. Uh, South Carolina now dropped two in a row to both Mississippi State and Alabama. Tom, two games that, you know, South Carolina, you could very much argue needed to win. Uh, especially this Alabama game. I mean, again, South Carolina loses 68-62 on their home floor. You know, you're you're an underdog in the game Saturday. You're obviously – I talked about this a little bit. You're a nine-point underdog in the game on Saturday. Um, and for me, that was one that, Tom, you know, I've talked about this season that I feel like a lot of South Carolina's losses, you could just really see them coming. You know, it was one of those type of games where, hey, South Carolina's kind of running into a buzzsaw a little bit, if you will, or maybe they're running into a team like a Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU that – it's just really, really, really good. You could sort of see that coming. This one against Alabama, though, was a game that, you know, if South Carolina really had any shot of making the NCAA tournament, I think it was one you had to win. Again, on your home floor, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, Tom, with the net. Basically, it has replaced, it's replaced the RPI in regards to uh, how you get in the NCAA tournament. It's a big factor of how you get in the NCAA tournament. And South Carolina came in this game tonight. 81st in the net, Alabama 53rd. So, obviously, an opportunity to get a pretty big win for South Carolina and the Gamecocks fall flat on their home court. Um, we talked a little bit off air, Tom. You know, you look at the stats. I mean, Chris Silva, which I thought that if he had a big night, I really honestly thought South Carolina would win the basketball game. He had 23 points. I know he was 6 for 17 from, uh, from the field, but 11 of 13 from the free throw line. I feel like he was getting hacked every time up. But 23 points, 12 rebounds. Um, four blocks tonight. Overall, good night. But, you know, Tom, just a game, in my opinion, that, again, Saturday was sort of more expected, in my opinion, but tonight just a, a really, really bad loss for South Carolina. 
No, I mean, it definitely hurts. It it pretty much killed our chances for the NCAA tournament. Those were, in my opinion, gone after the loss to Mississippi State. I thought you kind of pretty much had to win out, maybe only lose one game out of Mississippi State, Missouri, and or A&M. We had to win at least two of those three on the road to prove that you're really an NCAA tournament team. And then you, you, you drop this one to Alabama at home. It's tough. I mean, Mike Hotsar has four points. Felipe Hase doesn't even score. I mean, it's going to be tough to win when you're you're playing seven guys and you're shooting 30% from the floor and 20% from three-point land at home. I mean, that's so much terrible. It doesn't make any sense how you would expect to win a game like that ever. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I really thought for a while that South Carolina was – I think I called it for Saturday's game that, you know, South Carolina was just due to have a night. You know, they've been so hot from three-point range and really just – just shooting the basketball in general. I thought, you know, I, I really thought South Carolina eventually would – they would have a night where they were sort of due. You know what I mean? They were due for a cold shooting night. I really thought that happened Saturday against Mississippi State. But tonight, obviously, you know, really takes the cake. I mean, 31% from the field, 21% from three-point range. They did shoot 78% from th- free throws. But, I mean, you shoot 31 and 21 from field goal and three-point range. I mean, you're just not going to win any basketball games that way, in my opinion. Um you know, Tom, the the bigger thing to me, and again, we talked about this a little bit off air. I talked about this on social media a little bit before we came on. The bigger thing to me, Tom, and my takeaway from this game, not just this game, the past two games, but really this game, is that I think that we sort of put the cart ahead of the horse a little bit with this team. What I mean by that is that I think that, and it's no no one's fault, it's no fan's fault, it's no one's fault in the media or anybody else for getting hyped, but I think that the way South Carolina was winning basketball games and the hot streak they got on, I don't really truly believe that South Carolina was really ever an NCAA tournament type of team. I, I, I just – it never, in my opinion, and I maybe never came out publicly saying this, but I never really felt like South Carolina was truly an NCAA tournament team. I mean, this is a team, again, that lost to Wyoming – Augusta in an exhibition, Stony Brook, I mean, that looked terrible in non-conference play and that came out in the conference and obviously has done some great things. And, again, this season is still South Carolina right now 14-14, and 9-6 and six in the conference after tonight. You know, can have a pretty good season, especially for the way that it started. But, Tom, I just don't really think this was ever truly an NCAA tournament team. I think the NIT was much, much more realistic. And I think South Carolina making the NIT after, the, again, the way it started will still be – you know, in my opinion, a great season for this team. No, I mean, the way I see it, you lose a Stony Brook from Providence in the beginning of the season, that's going to hurt your chances for a tournament. I mean, you got to win those – those, uh, what are they called? <laughs> I'm, I'm sick. Out, I'm sorry. You got to win those, those, get those out-of-conference kind of gimme games at the beginning of the year. Obviously, Wofford's ranked now in the top 25 in the AP. I don't know how they're so good, but whatever they're doing, we need to probably maybe copy or join the SOCON one. I, like my dad always says when you go back to the Southern Conference, but it's tough. You lose Wyoming on the road, and then we drop that one to Oklahoma State later this year on the road. You got, we're not, haven't been very good on the road. I mean, I don't know what it's been. And then you shoot 20% from three at home. I mean, that's not gonna, you're not going to win a lot of games when you're shooting 20% from three-point land. Like four of 19 is terrible. I'm not – on the train that they were never an SEC tournament team, but I, it seems like every time we were building momentum towards going to really solidifying ourselves as one of the top four teams in the SEC, like really a top four team and not just thereby because we have a good SEC record, it seems like we always took an L just randomly. Like, I mean, you look at the start of the season, we're building that momentum, we get 4-0, and then we go at to LSU and get by 22 on the road. Obviously, LSU is a very good team, but then you come home and beat, 
Auburn by three when they were a ranked team, top number 16, and then you go on the road to Oklahoma State and drop one. I mean, it's tough, but you can't afford to lose games like that and expect to, you know, make the NCAA tournament. Then you get Tennessee at home, number one in the country. You get beat by 22 with a full crowd. You beat Georgia on the road and then come back on the road to Kentucky that next Tuesday and lose. It just seems like every time we had a win, we couldn't keep building off of it. So that's that's probably what the media's hurt us the most. But, I mean, it is what it is at this point. I think they could have made the tournament and they would have had really good chances. But realistically, the only way they could do it now is to win the SEC tournament, and that's really not even realistic. Yeah, and I think part of the reason what you're talking about, kind of like the shifts in momentum back and forth, back and forth, is I think the – I really think the top of the SEC, it's almost like football. I think the top three, four teams of the SEC are so much further ahead of the middle of the pack. So, I mean, I think it's that South Carolina is having these really close games and hard-fought games and competing against these middle-of-the-pack teams. Then they're playing a team, again, like a Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU, whoever, and – you know, getting smacked. I mean, you talk. I mean, about really, it truly is Tennessee and Kentucky and everybody else. I mean, right. Was, I think LSU. LSU's pretty, I mean, LSU's LSU's pretty dang good. The, I mean, I will say the good news for South Carolina is is that they, thank goodness. I mean, they won the Ole Miss game. That really is turning out, in my opinion, to be arguably the most important game of the season because you know it's Ole Miss and South Carolina for that four spot for that buy in the SEC tournament. Um, and South Carolina lost. Obviously, they they moved to nine and six in the SEC. Ole Miss right now is 9-5 and five in the SEC. This will drop on Wednesday morning, obviously. So, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, Ole Miss plays Tennessee um, Wednesday night, which, I mean, you have to think Tennessee's going to get the win in that game. So, yeah. South Carolina still should be able to stay in that four spot. Um, but, I mean, every game at this point for South Carolina basketball is a must win. I mean, there's no question Absolutely. about it. I mean, it's – every single game is a must win. I, I mean, I just, you know – You, know, you got to win out to keep the four seed. Like, there's no right. – yeah, no, oh, yeah. Old, Ole Miss, yeah, Ole Miss isn't going to lose every game they have left. You can't depend on Ole Miss losing. And, again, it's just a shame, I mean, because you talked about, I mean, South Carolina going on the road. I mean, I, I, again, I'll argue it's extremely tough, in my opinion, to go on the road in the SEC and win, even if you're playing a team that isn't very good. And yeah. for South Carolina to kind of give up their home floor tonight against Alabama when, you know, South Carolina was a two-point favorite. I mean, South, you know, the Gamecocks were favored to win tonight and to lose by – you know, six on your home floor is obviously very disappointing. I definitely argue one of the big reasons they lost was A.J. Lawson. Uh, he went out early in the second half, rolled his ankle. You know, I know you said you didn't really, really didn't get to see the injury, Tom, but it did not look good in my opinion. And I, I think he might be out, honestly. You know, South Carolina season, regular season goes through March 9th. You know, I maybe he can make that March 9th game. I'd be shocked if he played one before that because he really rolled his ankle pretty badly. Um but South Carolina is going to read off the rest of their schedule. They play Saturday at Missouri, um, Tuesday, March 5th at Texas A&M, and su- Saturday, March 9th against Georgia. So, in my opinion, Tom, like one of the biggest reasons why that loss sucks is because, again, you give up your home floor, and then you got to go to two straight road games. It's like yeah, you can't lose on your home floor in games I mean, that you have to win, you know? Missouri and Texas A&M are two of the worst teams in the SEC, and then Georgia's the worst. So, No, no, I, I agree. No, I, I mean, your schedule is – you know, you could have asked win those three games, and I don't know. You, I don't could, know. you could have a worse slate. There's no question. You could definitely have a worse slate. I'm just saying that, you know, it, it would have been nice to get the one on your home floor tonight. But again, I mean, some of the other big, big news coming out of the game, like I talked about, AJ Lawson, how long will he be out? You know, that's going to be something to watch because obviously he's a huge catalyst on this team. But again, I, I just think, Tom, that, you know, 
it's no indictment of this team either. It's no indictment of the job Frank Martin's done. I think Frank Martin's done a fantastic job. And I think the future of South Carolina basketball, I mean, obviously losing, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead, but looking forward to next year, I mean, losing Chris Silva will obviously be a huge blow. But, I mean, you've got young pieces to build. I mean, A.J. Lawson, Keyshawn Bryan, Alonzo Frank, Justin Manaya is going to come back. I mean, you've got some guys in place that, you know, the future of South Carolina basketball can be very, very, very bright. But I can understand the fans that feel like South Carolina may have, you know, missed out on an opportunity this season. It's just a shame. It's more of a shame to me that South Carolina lost those games in non-conference and couldn't figure it out early on. I mean, you know, yeah, I, mean, I really you, feel like if South Carolina right now played Wyoming again and Stony Brook again, like they'd, they'd probably win by 20 points. But, you know, you don't get to play them again. So that, that's just kind of the reality of it. Yeah, I've, it really sucks because if you win three out of those five early losses in the year, I mean, let's say you flip, you flip Stony Brook, Providence, Wyoming, and you flip Oklahoma State, I, I mean, you'd have to think – you'd be an SEC – or not – you'd be obviously very good and be an SEC team – a top SEC team regardless. But, like, you would have a serious chance to make it in the, in the NCAA tournament. Like, it would be very hard to keep a South, that good of a South Carolina team out. You just flip those four or five games. I mean, I mean, all you need to know is that Alabama right now is, you know, is picked by bracketologists to be in the tournament. They've got a worse SEC record than South Carolina even with the win tonight. But they're yeah. seventeen and eleven overall. South Carolina's fourteen and fourteen. I mean, that's tough. I don't think there's. I think I read a stat tonight. There's never been a fifteen loss team in in the NCAA tournament. So that means, you know, with South Carolina sitting at fourteen and fourteen, you basically have to run the table in the SEC tournament. I mean, it just which is going to be tough. I mean, you think again? You think of those three losses: Stony Brook, Wyoming, and like you said, Providence. I mean, South Carolina could easily be sitting sitting in Alabama spot seventeen and eleven, nine and six in conference. And really, probably, I mean, that you'd probably be sitting pretty comfortably in the, uh, you know, in the NCAA tournament. So, we'll have to see how it plays out. Obviously, I mean, South Carolina's got three more games left. I, I think they can certainly win all three. Um, but it's a situation where I could see them losing two of three or who knows, maybe even losing all three. I mean, who, who really knows? But, uh, yeah. you know, obviously, like I talked about, Gamecocks will go on the road two more times, have one more home game this season and then hopefully able to hang on to the four seed in the SEC tournament. We'll obviously be covering all that for you guys as we go through the rest of the season. All right, Tom, let's talk about some football. I mean, my goodness, Thanks, man. Football, football is back. Football is back in all caps. Spring practice, that is. Spring football. Will Muschamp talk to the media today. Spring practice starts, um, again, recording this on Tuesday night. Starts on Wednesday for the Gamecocks. Gamecocks will have 14 practices, and then finally the spring game on April the 6th. Um, I mean, let's just jump right into it, Tom. Obviously, Will Muschamp talked today, kind of emphasized some different things. One of the, some of the key takeaways I had simply just talked about turnover margin. That was one he stressed over and over and over again. Obviously, updating different things with with injuries, and it was crazy how long his press conference went. I mean, I was I was sitting there listening to it. He probably went for a good forty five minutes, which is extremely unorthodox of Will Muschamp. But let's talk about some of the top storylines, some of the things we're looking for. You know, Tom, what are some of the things or some of the top storylines or biggest things to watch out for, in your opinion, uh, in regards to spring ball? Well, obviously, there's the two new coaches and and Thomas – is it Thomas Brown? Thomas Brown, yeah. Yeah, Thomas Brown. I was like, I I swear that's his name. I don't know why I was second-guessing myself. And John Scott Jr., seeing what they're going to do, how their positions are going to – 
positions that coach are going to play. I think that's a big one. Obviously, seeing who running back number one is going out of spring, seeing who QB number two is going out of spring two. And I would think that if there's a certain quarterback who's going to be quarterback number two, then I would see some transfers. But that'd be that'd be kind of crazy thing to watch out for. But there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of fun times to see in the spring ball. I mean, there's a lot of injuries too. TJ Brunson's not going to be playing in spring ball, which sucks because I always love watching him play and. Linebacking core is going to be a really big question that I don't think a lot enough people are talking about. Yeah, you talked about especially with the injuries, too. I was going to pull up the guys that are out for spring ball. So, the guys that are out, uh, this is per Will Muschamp talked about in his presser today, T.J. Brunson, Rosendo Lewis, Caleb Kinlaw, Caleb Jenneret, Tyreek Johnson, Javon Kinlaw, and Danny Fennell. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you with the coaching staff, Tom. Obviously, bringing John Scott Jr. and uh, Thomas Brown in. I, especially Thomas Brown, because running back is definitely going to be the position I'm watching probably the most intently. Uh, I, I will say before we before I even dive into spring ball, I miss – I think we can all agree we miss the days of open practices. I, I hate how, like, private and closed everything's gotten. These head coaches feel like they have these these master schemes and master plans to hide, unfortunately. But it is what it is. But, yeah, definitely I think the coaching, how Bobby Bentley does at the tight end coaching position as well, I, I don't know that we'll really know – and see the effect of that until we get into the season. But uh, I'm really excited to see kind of these new enrollees as well. Uh, I'm, you know, Will Muschamp talked about a little bit today. Uh, Zach Pickens, kind of the role he's going to be playing. So he's going to be working out at both defensive end and defensive tackle. Um, you know, some of the newer guys, you know, on defense, again, offense, all over the field, really, for South Carolina. Some of these higher touted recruits. Joseph Anderson comes to mind. Obviously, Ryan Holinsky. Um you know, I'm very excited to just kind of see how these guys sort of incorporate. I mean, I think South Carolina, while Will Muschamp has been here, they're getting more and more talent in each and every season through recruiting. And, you know, I'm very excited to see kind of where those guys fill in those roles. You know, you sort of brought it up, Tom. To me, the biggest thing that I'm watching again, and I talked about the biggest storyline, biggest thing I'm watching all throughout this offseason and definitely in spring ball is the running back position. I mean, we've already seen Tyson Williams transfer. Uh, Rico Dowdle returned. You've got Kevin Harris. You've got Mon Denson. Um, you, you know, those guys as well. You know, I, I'm just extremely excited to see kind of who steps up from that position um, because that's been an area for me where South Carolina has been less than stellar. I mean, Thomas Brown definitely talked about it. He has been less than stellar. Or they, they've been less than stellar at that position. I, I'm just excited to see really just who steps up for me. I mean, you talked about as well the quarterback position, who's going to be. Who's going to be the number two guy? I mean, that, that you know, I think this is a huge, huge spring for DeCarion Joyner. I know many believe that as well. I think DeCarion, you know, many have had him transferring. Um, I'm the kind of belief that if he doesn't, if he's not QB2 after this spring, I definitely think we could see a transfer. Um, so it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see just sort of how it plays out, in my opinion, and, and how they utilize these guys leading up to the spring game. I mean, it's, you know – I think we could, you know, you find out a lot, in my opinion, in the spring. With with recruiting the way it is in the early signing period and these guys already being on campus, you know, I think we're going to know a lot about South Carolina's team moving into the 2019 season and just moving into the fall in general. Yeah, I think the biggest thing to me going into the spring is just going to be seeing who the what, who's going to end up being the backup quarterback because I, I don't think anyone is – in the mindset that Jake Bentley's not the number one quarterback. I think you have to be kind of stupid not to think that he's not going to be the number one quarterback going into the fall. Like, he would have to completely 
for lack of a better term, shit the bed for him not to be the starting quarterback for the first game and throughout the majority of the season unless he gets hurt. But to me, if Ryan Holinsky is the number two quarterback, I could easily see the carry on and Jay Urich transferring. And like I don't blame them because you want to go play and if you're not if you're not if you're not as good as the guy who's coming in as a freshman and two years younger than you and you're I mean you're basically screwed. Like there's nothing else to it. Right. But I- I would. I mean, I'm just going to say that you know, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch, and I'll I'll be personally shocked if Ryan's not quarterback number two, and I'm really excited to see him play in the spring game. Hopefully, he'll get reps with the ones and go against the one defense too, because like I really just want to see that kid play. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'll be surprised as well. I mean, I, I talked with somebody about this, and listen, I don't want to discount to carry on Joiner. I mean, obviously, it's a guy that's extremely athletic and run the football, throw the football. Um, and I guess you could say throwing the football is really what he needs to work on um, from coming out of high school and the limited action we saw last year. But I definitely don't want to discount to carry on Joyner and kind of what he can do. But I'm, I'm, I'm on both sides, Tom, because a part of me wants to see the carry on Joyner do well and be the quarterback too. But another part of me is like, you know, let's just face it. If Ryan Holinsky is kind of the guy that we think he's supposed to be, he should be the quarterback too. I mean, he should be that guy. I, I mean – just yeah. simply put, I mean, I'll be almost, you know, selfishly, I guess you could, if you want to call it that, I'll almost be kind of a little worried if he's not QB2. Like, he's not good enough to beat out a guy that can't hardly throw the football from what we've heard. I mean, yeah. you know, selfishly, I'll be thinking that. But one, one of the things I was going to say, one of the other big storylines or things I'm really looking for is, obviously, there's no more Debo Samuel in the building. I, I'm looking for, um, and, and listen, I don't know that we're going to, this is going to something that's probably a battle that will go through you know, through the summer, into the fall, maybe leading into the season. But who is going to be that playmaker for South Carolina? Obviously, Debo was the guy that when he was on the field, you know, you could always turn a number one. When you needed a big play, South Carolina would turn a number one, find him in some way, schematically get him involved. Who is going to be that guy for South Carolina? Because I don't know that South Carolina right now, you know, really knows at this point. Is it Brian Edwards? Is it Shy Smith? Is it Josh Van? Is it one of the running backs is going to step up. Is it, you I mean, know, God forbid, is it a tight end that's going to step up? I mean, I think finding the replacement, and obviously the position battle with kick return or punt return or whatever is going to be big because, you know, special teams is extremely important. But just who's going to replace Debo Samuel and fill that role as a whole to me will be very interesting to watch. I mean, I don't think you replace Debo Samuel. I don't care who's coming on the team for next season. I would be very shocked if it's not kind of a – I don't want to say it's like the running back room last year, but it's going to be a wide receiver by committee. Obviously, you're going to have Brian Edwards and Shy Smith are your first two receivers. And then wide receiver three is up between Ortray Smith, and he's hurt. No one really knows what's going on with him. And then you have guys coming in like Xavier Leggett and Keyshawn Tony, who's going to be a tight end. But still, I mean, there's it's a lot of going to be a lot of competition. I think they're going to have to get the tight ends a lot more involved, and especially the running backs, too, in the passing game than the years before, because I, I just don't think you replace Devo with just a receiver or two I don't think that's possible yeah I, I mean I will say that I think Shai Smith can be that kind of guy but you, I mean you're right I mean the, the way that Debo Samuel impacted football games and the way he was kind of a do-it-all type guy I mean will there be anybody on South Carolina's team in 2019 that can take kickoffs back to the house and you know take take a pass all the way to the house and take a run and break it off can they do all of that I mean probably not that, that's a that's a very unique talent, in my opinion. But I, just finding that playmaker, like who's going to be that playmaker for South Carolina? Again, 
early early for me, I think Shai Smith could certainly be that guy. Um, we'll kind of bleed in time to some key position battles. Um, I think definitely special teams with a kick returner. I think that could be a big one. I'd like to see a battle at punt returner since we're on the topic of special teams. I don't personally love Brian Edwards back there. I know we, you know, we talked about this multiple times last season, Tom. I, I don't love Brian Edwards back there. I think it's a weird fit. You know, I, I don't think he's like a home run threat of any sort. Um, you know, and when he wasn't fair, you know, let's just be honest and, and no offense, but when he wasn't fair catching the ball, he fumbled it and cost South Carolina one of their games last season. So, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to knock the guy. I just don't know that's yeah. his best, like, skill set, if you will. Um, I will say one of my other big position battles, Tom, or just kind of what a position that I'm really intrigued to watch, is you talked about, you know, T.J. Brunson, Rosendo Lewis, or guys that are limited or out for the spring. How does the rest of the linebacking core shape out? Because that was a huge weakness for South Carolina a year ago. I mean, Will Muschamp highlighted Ernest Jones today in his pressers, a guy that, you know, I know we talked about a year ago, a guy that was very, very impressive in your eyes and a youngster that I think really grew up in front of our eyes. Um, can a guy like Sherrod Green, I mean, Will Muschamp talked about how he can play both the mic and the will, but, you know, at times he looked lost out there. I mean, can Sherrod yeah. Green step up and make plays for South Carolina this year? So I, I think the linebacking core, Tom, is definitely a huge uh, huge position or position battles, if you will, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching this spring. No, I definitely agree. I think it's going to be very interesting, especially with TJ and TJ and Rosendo Lewis are the two out, I think. I mean, who steps up for you, the Mike linebacker? Is it going to be a, an Ernest Jones or one of the incoming freshmen? I mean, it's going to be a very, you know, I, I don't know. It's going to, they're going to be very hard to watch in the spring, if I had to guess. And, you're, and I was just going to say, you're losing, you know, Bryson Allen Williams, too, who, yeah. as you guys know, is our guest for this podcast. I mean, you're losing Bryson Allen Williams, too. So, I mean, who's going to fill his role? Who's going to be that buck? Who's going to be that pass rusher type guy? I mean, it, you know, there's going to be a, it's a very interesting position, in my opinion, the linebackers. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be a really fun thing to watch shape out. Yeah, I mean, the other, the other, just staying on the defense, the other position I'm really looking for is just the defensive line, the defensive line rotation, obviously. You know, Josh Belk no longer with the team, but I think South Carolina's obviously got a lot of talent coming in with Joseph Anderson, Zach Pickens. Uh, other guys, you've got Javon Kinlaw back, Rick Sandage, you know, J.J. Anigbare, um, you know, uh, Keir Thomas. I don't want to leave him out. D.J. Wanham, where's he going to play? These other guys. Just how the defensive line rotation, to me, really works out, uh, you know, is going to be big for South Carolina as well. I mean, I, I just think defensively, South Carolina, obviously, first of all, they got to be healthy. But second, they've got to be better. They've just got to be playing better than they were last year. Um you know, I think offensively you got a little bit more of a game plan, a little bit more of an idea who's going to be out there for you. you got quarterback, you know, QB1 settled, most of your offensive line settled. Um, pretty much who's going to be your impact players, wide receivers, tight ends, all that good stuff is pretty much settled. But to me, Tom, I mean, just as a whole, you know, I want to see progress in the defense. And, again, how much can you really take away from spring? I think that's always the – it's always a funny conversation to have because – I think I talked with Barrett Salee last year, and I asked him, you know, what can you really take away from a spring game? Is there anything seriously that you really look at a spring game and you make these huge, you know, these light bulb moments where you find out about guys? He's, no. I mean, you, there's not a whole lot you're going to learn from a spring game. Um, but I, I think, again, the most, you know, the most uh, – 
exciting part of spring for spring football is kind of getting these – seeing these guys in the field you've never seen before. I think specifically first one to come to my head, a guy like a Jamel Cook that we haven't seen on the field in pads before that I'm – you know, is a huge guy, going to play safety for Carolina. He's six foot four, two six foot four guys in the secondary for South Carolina is going to be insane. Wild. Um, so getting those guys on the field, getting those early enrollees on the field and kind of giving those young guys a chance to, uh, just to see what they can do. I'm very excited. Um, we'll move to kind of just wrapping up the spring practice stuff. Biggest thing that you're looking for is, um, I'll go ahead and start Tom. The biggest thing I'm looking for this spring is just simply the running back position. You know, who emerges, who emerges from this group of guys? Cause again, you've got Rico Dowdle, Mon Denson, uh, AJ Turner is starting the spring at defensive back. He's going to come back after I think, four or five practices and be at the uh, at the running back position. But, I mean, with that going on, you can't imagine he's going to be, at, you know, definitely not the number one running back. But is Rico Dowdle going to step up? Is Mon Denson going to become the guy? Is Kevin Harris going to be the guy? Um, you know, is Deshaun Fenwick? I forgot about him earlier. Is Deshaun Fenwick going to be the guy? A guy that in limited action I thought was very, very good. With Thomas Brown coming in as the running back's coach, the running back position being such a position of need in regards to production, you know, Tom, the biggest thing for out, without a doubt for me is just simply how does that position shake out? Is there a, you know, a philosophical change? Is there a change in the way they use the running backs? Because I really do believe with the change in coaching, I don't think Thomas Brown is going to do all this, this shuffling that Bobby Bentley did, you know, try to get three, four guys carries. It's like, let's find RB1. That's the biggest yeah. priority in my opinion. I mean – this is just me talking. It may not be. It may be the same exact thing. But I truly believe that Thomas Brown is going to come in and establish. Let's find who is RB1. Who's going to be our guy um, that we can give the rock to 20, 25 times, maybe even 30 times a game. So I'm definitely excited to watch for the running back position. Tom, what's the biggest thing that you're looking for in the spring practice? Well, just to harp off of what you were saying, I think that personally we're either going to see a Rico Dowdle who's rejuvenated and is a new version of himself we might not be seeing Rico Dowdle next year I mean really because I think I feel like he's the kind of guy who might would transfer out if he's not knowing he's gonna be the running back one going into next year I think it's every season he's kind of been the expected gonna be the guy and he just hasn't performed that well not really since his freshman year but Anyway, the biggest thing I'm looking for, I just want to see who the, the backup quarterback is going out of spring. I want, I hope it would be decided by then. I personally think Ryan's probably Ryan Holinsky is going to be the number two guy. That's just the way I, I think about. It. I think he's the best passer, and I think he's probably he's been he's had the playbook for like two years. I think since every since he's committed, so it's not like he hasn't had time to study everything. And he's him and Dan have been chatting. Dan Warner, the quarterbacks coach, have been chatting it up a lot. But obviously, I think every him and Dak and him and Dakari on Joiner and then Jay Yurick are all gonna get their fair shot. But I would be very shocked if Ryan's not QB two. And if he's not, does that just go to show that maybe Dakari on's a little bit better than everybody thinks he is? And you know, it's gonna be a lot of drama going in this going into the fall if it's not a decided position. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 110%. I really do think that's gonna be a heated battle. I mean, I just you know, Will Muschamp talked about it today. I mean, it's Jake Bentley's, you know. Pretty much your QB1. He obviously said if somebody was fantastic or really balled out, that's obviously, you know, they coaches are going to sell every position as open competition going in the spring. But, yeah, I really do think it will be a heated battle for QB2 between Ryan Holinsky and, and uh, DeCaron Joyner, no doubt. Um, all right, let's shift into some baseball. Obviously, South Carolina baseball getting the sweep over the weekend against Utah Valley. Um, also beating Appalachian State tonight in what was a pitcher's duel 3-1 which leads us into 
rivalry weekend. Tom, not to knock on you at all or anyone else, but I, I, I have to say I know it's, it's funny to me as a baseball guy that I know this is the weekend that's sort of like Groundhog Day. Many South Carolina baseball fans will sort of climb out of their hole and recognize that this is the start of baseball season, which is completely fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it is sort of funny and ironic to me that there are a lot of South Carolina baseball fans. This truly kicks off baseball season. This is sort of okay. Those, those non-conference wins, whatever, those games are nice. But this is like, okay, here we are. This is opening day. What, what kind of team are we this season? South Carolina taking on Clemson again in a three-game series this upcoming weekend, Friday at Clemson at 6, Saturday in Greenville at 1 o'clock, Sunday in Columbia at noon. Um, I will be at all three games. Obviously, we have our live show going on Sunday morning from 10 to 11. Thanks a lot, USC, for moving up the first pitch an hour. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, let's talk a little bit about the series, Tom. Obviously, I'll be breaking down everything on the Daily Crow on Thursday a little bit more in depth. But I definitely just at least want to touch on the series, Tom, and just some of the things that uh, I think some of the fans should be watching for as we get into this series. Two really good teams. I believe both teams are 7-1 and one right now. Um, and both teams are at the top of the country in home runs. Both teams can really swing the bat. Carolina and Clemson tied with 17 home runs apiece each as teams, which is a very, very good number. I believe it's good enough for tied – I believe tied for second in the country in home runs. Um, so we should be expecting a lot of offense this upcoming weekend. Some guys to watch for Clemson. Bryce Teodosio hitting 393. Davis Sharp 391. Jordan Green 318. Logan Davidson hasn't had the hottest start of the season for Clemson, but he's a guy that was a preseason All-American that I know South Carolina fans will unfortunately probably recognize his name as a guy that feels like he's been there forever. Um, I thought he should have graduated or left or got drafted with Seth Beer, and unfortunately he didn't, so he's still at Clemson. Logan Davidson is still there. Uh, Clemson right now is a team sitting with a three ERA. Um, to me, Tom, you know, I, I'll kind of take this. in The key to the series to me, some of the keys to the series – um, simply put, make them earn it. You, you know, South Carolina, the biggest thing for them with their pitching staff has been, you know, in a season ago was the walks. I think South Carolina's bullpen has been fantastic. I think it's been more so their starters, and there's been some criticism, maybe some justly given to Carmen Majinski, Dylan Harley. I don't think so much Reed Morgan because he's been fantastic. But, you know, no free passes, no errors. I mean, listen, this is going to be a series where – you know, the little things are really going to add up. So, you know, any walks, any errors, you know, there's a really an old saying, an old rule in baseball that, you know, walks and errors score. I mean, walks and errors are going to score nine out of ten times. So as much as you can limit the walks and the errors, the more chance you're going to give yourself to win. And like I said, especially in a rivalry series where the emotions are high, you know, everything, it's not going to be like a regular non-conference series where you kind of, sit back in your chair and casually watch and you see one at every three pitches and it's nearly no big deal. No, this is a series where you hang on every single pitch. This is going to have a postseason type atmosphere, a postseason type environment to it. You have to be sharp. You have to be good. You can't give any freebies up this weekend. Um, another key to the series for me, Tom, timely hitting simply. I, I mean, listen, you can hit all the home runs you want. You can, um, be that power slugging team, if you will. But it really comes down to when you got, have guys in scoring position, when you've got guys on base with two outs, who's going to be the team that gets the clutch hit? I mean, who's going to be the team that, you know, puts the nail in the coffin? Who's going to be the team that takes the early lead? Who's going to be the team that hits the walk-off? <clears throat> to me, that, that's what it's going to be more so about. I mean, the home runs are going to come for both sides, I think. But it's really just 
who is going to get that hit when it matters most. Um, and, and then finally, for me, the key to the series, one of the bigger keys is just simply stay in the moment. And this is more specifically for South Carolina. You know, I think staying in the moment, you have so many new guys, which this may actually help South Carolina stay in the moment because they have so many new guys that, you know, frankly don't, you know, a lot of them I probably don't really know that much about the South Carolina-Clemson rivalry and, you know, probably really um, – maybe won't think that much of it. But, I mean, this rivalry it has a way to get to you very, very quickly, especially especially in baseball. I mean, it's the best college baseball rivalry around. So, I mean, I think just staying in the moment, staying within your emotions, staying within yourself, not trying to do too much, just being who you are. Um, because the second you try to do too much and do something you're not comfortable doing is when you make the, those mistakes, is when you make those errors, is when you give up those free passes. So, I think – just staying in the moment for South Carolina, um, I, I think will be we big for this team. You can't. I mean, obviously this is a huge one. I know all the fans want to win this one. Tom, you talked about. I mean, as funny as it is, you talked about in our baseball season preview. Um, beat Clemson. I mean, that, that's really, you know, yeah. there's a lot of baseball fans that it's it's beat Clemson. I mean, this season yeah, they're going to judge the season on whether or not we beat Clemson. That's all that's going to matter. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and really they're going to judge this. Not even so much they're going to judge the season. It's going to be – I wish there were ratings for these streams, for these college baseball games, because I guarantee you, if you could look at the ratings in the midweek game following the Clemson series and even the weekend series following the Clemson series, if you could look at the ratings on if South Carolina wins the series versus if they lose the series, if you could look at it, like it would be so drastic. I mean, there, were, there will be so many people that – I think this this series, in my opinion, sways the casual fan. It sways the casual fan to, am I going to watch this South Carolina team all the time, or am I going to very, very, very lightly watch them, and if they make the postseason, I'll watch. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, which, again, I'm not judging anybody. Baseball is not everybody's game. I get that, whatever. But, like, you think about, you know, those – the teams in 2010, 2011, 2012 that were going to the College World Series and – winning national championships. I mean, you even look at, like, their midweek games. Their midweek games were sold out. I mean, you know, there were there were six, 7,000 people at a midweek game. And, you you know, you want to know why? It's because South Carolina was a top-five team in the country. I mean, it's not, it's not like some secret, okay? So, you know, this is a big series for, you know, really that's one of the smaller reasons. But just, just to get back on the right track of this, I mean, obviously South Carolina, I believe, has lost four – three or four series in a row, these guys. I mean, South Carolina as an athletic department, athletics program, has lost too many too many games, too many series, too many anything to Clemson. I mean, it's just time to kind of turn that tide around. Um, so, again, I don't think anyone needs to put emphasis on how big of a series this is for South Carolina baseball. Tom, you, I know I just kind of stole the show there. You got any comments on the uh, the Clemson series upcoming this weekend? Win the damn games. That's all I, <laughs> I, I was gonna say, obviously, you'll be the live show Sunday. So I mean, we'll yeah. we'll have plenty to talk about um, before the game Sunday. But I mean, I yeah, mean, it, no, it's, I mean, it's one of those ones. It's one of those ones where I, I, I'll equate it to this. Chris Silva talked about. They asked him, "What was the what's the biggest college basketball game that you've ever played in?" They asked Chris Silva this, and he said, "He said the Duke game, Mar you know, March Madness, the Duke game. Every South Carolina fan from that game." They said, "Why is that? Why was that Duke game the biggest one you ever played in?" He's like, "Because you looked about, you looked across the arena, and nobody had to get us hyped for that game. Nobody, nobody had to hype us up for this game. That's how this series is for South Carolina baseball. This and Clemson as well. Both sides. 
Nobody has to. There's nothing you need to say about this one. I mean, it's Carolina Clemson. That's all you need to know. It's Carolina. You know, in any sport, it's like that. But I say especially for the baseball series because, again, you know, in in football, we love to talk. Hey, this is the best rivalry in college football, and you know, we say that. And you know, there's a lot. I mean, listen, I, I think it's certainly top three, four. But there's a lot of debate. I mean, Auburn, Alabama, there's Michigan, Ohio State, whatever. But I really don't think there's any debate that South Carolina Clemson is the best rivalry in college baseball. I don't think there's another one. I really, really don't with just the passion, the energy, the intensity, you know, the pure hatred on both sides. I mean, I really – and I think you're going to see – you're going to see that this weekend, three great atmospheres, again, at Clemson. Um, in Greenville and in Columbia. I think without a doubt you're going to see three fantastic atmospheres. Again, we'll have our live show Sunday morning. Um, you know, please be sure to stop by. If you guys are at the stadium, if you guys are in Columbia, we're going to be having a real good time. Hopefully we'll be getting ready to watch South Carolina sweep the third game, sweep the series, and we'll have a really great time. But come by, say what's up, say hello. We'll also be giving away some Holinsky's Hope wristbands. I haven't even haven't even announced that yet on social media, but We'll have some other giveaways, stuff like that. But come have a good time with us. Come talk some baseball, talk some shop, and we'll have a good time doing that, getting ready for the game. Um, so, yeah, let's move into some listener questions, obviously. I know we have a ton of listener questions, <clears throat> kind of ranging from a different number of topics. Yeah, I was going to say, Tom, I kind of stole the show there with the baseball stuff, not going to lie. But I figured – I figured – I figured – no, listen, I figured I would save you the trouble. Let's just let's just knock it out. I'm, You know, I'm, I'm kind of torn. For all the listeners listening, I, I know you're still listening right now, I'm sort of torn because obviously I do the Daily Crow and break down the series, but we have to talk about the podcast. We can't not talk about it. So, um, I mean, we all know that I'm not like a big baseball <laughs> guy. So I almost like freaked out when I, when I saw we were talking about football on the show today. Like, I about yeah, wild, wild. Like, right? I mean, it's finally it's, it's like football season is really never over when you think about it. But. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, that's a good thing, though. I mean, we, we love football, obviously. I mean, Big the, football uh, here. yeah, I just I just needed to warm up a little bit. That's it. All right. Um, all right. Let's get into some of these listener questions or yeah, listener questions. We've got some really good ones by Brantley Strickland. Um, I'll give you the, I'll give you this question, Tom. This is a good question. By Brantley Strickland asks, is Will Muschamp the coach at South Carolina in five years? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I would be shocked if not. Really? You'd be shocked? I mean, who, who do you five want to be the head coach in five years? But I'm it's saying not five if it's years not him, a long time. Like, that's a long time. I mean, if it's not him, I'd say it's T-Rob. Like, I, I literally think that he – like, Muschamp might leave for a better job and then they hired to hire T-Rob. Like, I would I mean, be cool with that. Here, okay, let me – okay. Let me put it this way. I, I mean, the odds that – if you ask me what's more likely – Will Muschamp leaves for a better job or he gets fired? I would say he gets fired. I mean, look, yeah, I'm just I mean, saying. I'm just saying. It's, you know. I think he's here for at least three. I'm, he's here until Holinsky leaves, in my opinion. So, that's at least three. So, you got two more years on top of that. Unless Doty is just terrible, that's another two or three. So, like, yeah, I'd say he's still That's here. a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying – I mean, I, I wouldn't – I'd put it at 51-49 he's here in five years. That, In my opinion, maybe 60-40 confidence level. I don't know. That just feels like a long – I mean, that feels like a long right, time. That's 2024. Like, that is a while from now. I don't, I don't know. I mean, can you imagine Muschamp going into his eighth season? I mean, it, it feels like he just got hired. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see. That. That's a good question. That's a very good question. 
Um, underscore Jacob MC, do we have to win out in the regular season and win one or two games in the SEC tournament to make it to the big dance? Uh, we we need to win, win the win SEC the tournament. tournament. Well, this was this was before the game tonight. Let's let's preface that. This was before the game tonight. So, yeah, after tonight, <coughs> excuse me, after tonight, South Carolina. You know what's funny? Like they don't really have to even win out. They just got to win the SEC tournament at this point. I mean, there's really nothing that I mean, you've got. You've got to win the SEC tournament. Period. Point blank. End of discussion. That, that's all you can really do. Um, by Brantley Strickland again. Brantley Strickland come with the fire questions tonight. He, he's come with the fire questions. How come the baseball team has seven uniform, but wear seven uniforms, but wears about three? This is a fantastic question. I, I've noticed Tom too. Like I'm a big uniform guy. Um, and I forget, I don't know if it was on Twitter or where this was Hold on one second. There we go. I, I don't know if this is on Twitter or where this was, but I, I tweeted about, oh, that's right. I tweeted about South Carolina sun. So, and this is getting deep in the weeds, Tom, but basically South Carolina's normal rotation for the weekend. They wear the Friday night pins. So the white jerseys with the pinstripes, we all know those garnet hat, white SC. Saturday, they wear their all-white jerseys with the Carolina across the chest that has the football script, which I don't like, but whatever. Garnet hat, white SC. And then Sunday, they wear their garnet tops, their Sunday garnets, with the garnet hat. So it used to be that they would wear the garnet tops and the letters would be black and the numbers would be black too. So like everything kind of black and then the hat would be white, or excuse me, the hat would be garnet with a black SC. Well, now South Carolina this season, for whatever reason, and this started last year with the jerseys at least, the jerseys have the Gamecocks in black, but the, le- the numbers are in white. Now, and now they're wearing the garnet hat with the white SC, which to me is backwards. They should not be doing that. It should have the black SC in it. And then, so the, get, to the, to get to the actual question, South Carolina has like seven uni combos. They wear literally three of them. I mean, to me, one of the freshest looks that South Carolina has, I'd put it on the weekend if it was up to me, the black tops. The black tops are so, 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 so fresh. They're so fresh. The black top, it's the one, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to YouTube. It's on YouTube. The South Carolina-Clemson game in Clemson last season. The black tops with the garnet Carolina, the garnet numbers, the black hat with the garnet SC to me, again, is the freshest look they have. But to answer your question, really, as a whole, I have no clue why they do anything they do with the uniforms right now. I, I really don't. I mean, it, the only thing I'll say is that the one positive I have to say is last year, South Carolina was wearing Friday night pins in the midweek, and that shit pissed me off. So thank God they're not doing that anymore. Bro, it's not that serious. Uh, that's my rant on the baseball uniforms. I'm just saying, like, when you have so many fresh unis, like, you're not even taking advantage of them. Like, bro, no, the, I mean, one, the one Saturday are, I mean, they're clean as hell because they're all white, but they're just so, like, they're just so, like, boring. I mean, and the the, the whole, like, because I know, you know, you, you Under Armour went with the whole, like, we're going to make South Carolina have this universal font and this universal, the numerals. And, like, I don't want football fucking, or, I don't, well, my bad. I don't. I don't want football lettering on a baseball jersey. Like, it looks stupid. It looks so dumb. You don't see the South Carolina cursive on a football uniform. So, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. I'm pretty passionate about it, as you can tell. Kind of annoys me. I, I, 
we had Coach Kingston on the show. I sort of wanted to be like, hey, what's up with the unis right now? But I don't think he would ever talk to us again. Yeah, so probably <laughs> was better that you didn't. All right. All right. Let me get off the uniforms where I blow a gasket. All right. Wiggins.Harry5, what do we as a baseball team need to work on? Um, well, the boring answer, I could say early in the season, you need to work on everything. Um, but I would say right now the biggest things this team needs to work on, starting pitching, I mean, getting more length out of your starters. I just, you know, I think guys like Carmen Wojcicki, you know, even with the way Reed Morgan's pitch, all the starters need to be better. Getting more length out of your starters. I know the strength of this team is the bullpen, but you don't want to ask your bullpen to pitch you four innings every single night. I mean, it'd be nice if you've your Friday night guy, Carmen Wojcicki, give you six, seven solid innings. Uh, getting more length in, out of Dylan Harley. And I think that'll come with experience. I think Dylan Harley's a guy that has great, uh, you know, ha- has has great stuff. And a guy that's going to be really, really good for South Carolina. I'd say that some of the bigger things as well on the hitting side of things, cutting down the strikeouts. I mean, South Carolina's seen the striking out, I think, basically 10 times a game right now. Just putting the ball in play. I mean, good things, good things are going to happen when you put the ball in play. I think South Carolina right now is a very – you know, hit big, miss big approach. I mean, that's why you're seeing all the home runs with the strikeouts are going to come with it. But I think as much as you can cut down the strikeouts, um, you know, that's going to be the big thing. And then the other thing I'd say the baseball team needs to work on just simply, again, getting these new guys, you know, make sure they're getting as many at-bats, getting as many appearances as they can, and really just finding their groove. Man, that's the only way these new guys are going to, you know, find find their stroke and, you know, kind of be the guys that South Carolina hopes they can be is just get them more experience, get them on the field. Um, <clears throat> John underscore Reamer ABC. That's what I'm going to understand. I, I think that's what it says. John underscore Reamer ABC. Do we still have a chance at March Madness? What about if we lose tonight at Alabama? Well, we did lose tonight at Alabama. Um, we have to win the SEC tournament, period, point blank. I think we kind of went over that. Um, Zbird 86, will starting pitching be shuffled for the Clemson series? I don't think so. I, I think you're going to see the same, the same weekend series. I, I just – and I think people have asked about this. I know Mark Kingston didn't definitely say this is this is what we're doing. Um, but I just don't think it's a good look to shuffle, you know, before the biggest series, you know, of the season to this point. Obviously not the biggest series of the entire season, but the biggest series of the season this point to shuffle your your weekend rotation. I, I mean, you gotta if Carmen Majinski was good enough this this offseason to be your Friday night guy, like you gotta trust in him. You gotta give him the ball and say, hey man, like go go pitch us a good game. Go pitch your best game of the year, build on it, and let's, you know, be the kind of guy we expected you to be. I just I think Sal Carolina will stick with what they have. Obviously, Reed Morgan's been fantastic on Sundays, so I don't see him going anywhere. And again, I think Dylan Harley's stuff has been really good. And I, I thought he was good this past weekend. I don't think there's any need to take him out. I just think I really just think Carmen Majenski's got to be better. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing. But, no, I, I think you're going to see the same exact week in rotation. But, you know, I, I think South Carolina will be very, very quick to go to the bullpen if they run any trouble with their starters. Um, lastly, Stokes underscore Huey. Do we have a chance to win the series this weekend? Yeah, I'd say we have a chance, a pretty good chance, actually. I, I think, uh, you know, I'll give my prediction Thursday. I'll save my prediction for what's going to happen on Thursday. But do we have a chance? Yeah, we have a really, really good chance. I mean, you know, I know Clemson's in the top 25 right now, but from people I've talked to that know baseball that are actually Clemson fans, they're not they're not extremely high on this team. I mean, there's Clemson lost a lot, especially in the pitching. Um, you lose Seth Beer, which, I mean, really, if – you know, you, Tom, even you know, if it wasn't for Seth Beer, South Carolina probably wins the last two years in the series. I mean, it's Seth Beer's 
literally by himself beat South Carolina a couple of those games. So yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, that, that's pretty much. I mean, that's all the listener questions. That's pretty much going to do it overall. Um, anything else we may have missed? I know I kind of missed this in the intro, but obviously Bryce and Ellen Williams on the podcast. Very, very, very excited. You guys know we had Michael Skarnecki on a couple weeks ago, and that was the first time we had a guy that was, you know, that recent. We can't have any current players on to the school and all that, blah, 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 all that stuff. But to have a guy that was just just finished up as recently as he did was big time. And to get a guy like Bryson Allen Williams that really had a story game, got career, played, you know, all four-plus, I'd say five years for South Carolina. Um fantastic interview with Bryson you know what I mean talking about just kind of his career at Carolina going from Steve Spurrier to Will Muschamp um there's going to be a lot of interesting insight I think Gamecock fans are going to say wow I did not know that about this guy so very very excited but Tom anything else we uh we may have missed I mean obviously a packed show I mean a lot lot going on I I think this might be the busiest time of the year basketball baseball you got football you know getting back in full swing I mean we, we got a lot going on right now uh, there's not anything I can really think of off the top of my head, but yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. Really, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, cool. We'll get in the interview with Bryson before we do that. Please be sure this interview is going to be brought to you by our friends over at My Bookie. Obviously, my best bet has been struggling. Tom, we dropped to seven, six, and one tonight. Um, you were I seven think, and three like a week ago. Yeah, I think ever since I told you to go start betting my picks, I've started losing. So. Um, but we're, we, you know what that means, though? Just like the South Carolina basketball team, we're due for a hot streak. We're due to yeah, get hot again. Due. So go to mybookie.ag, create your new account, use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to get a 50% deposit bonus. You can literally gamble anything. I'm talking South Carolina sports. I mean, college basketball, NBA, NHL, AAF, politics even. I know, Tom, that's big, politics. I know you'd love to probably gamble on that. Um, pop culture stuff. It really just anything and everything you can think of. My bookie's got it. Um, they're the best online booking site or online gambling site by far. If you have any questions, concerns, anything like that, you can actually reach out to them via social media. Any tweet, any DM, they will get back to you, answer your questions really quickly. Um, again, they're just by far the best. Go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code Spurs up to get your 50% deposit bonus. If you take, let's just say, for example, $500, you want to go gamble with 500 bucks, they're going to give you an additional $250 to play with when you use that promo code SPURSUP. I mean, it's literally that simple. Go win yourself some money. Again, our best bet is due to get back on track, and I can guarantee he's going to get back on track this week. So mybookie.ag, use that promo code SPURSUP, S-P-U-R-S-U-P, uh, and go win some money with those guys. All right, enjoy this interview with Bryson Allen-Williams. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2014 to 2018 this past season, played Buck and Sam linebacker for South Carolina, was all over the field defensively. Uh, if you were at any South Carolina games the past couple of years, you've definitely seen him on the field making big plays with the Gamecocks. I want to welcome to the show Bryson Allen-Williams. Bryson, appreciate you taking the time and uh, really appreciate you coming on. Hey, no, I appreciate y'all having me, man. You know, it's, I, you know, I heard about your show for a long time, you know, as a player. No, I definitely appreciate the opportunity to get on. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's jump right into it, Bryson. Obviously, you're from Ellenwood, Georgia. Uh, right. Went to uh, Cedar Grove High School. Obviously, a very highly touted recruit out of there. Decided to come to South Carolina, where a true freshman in 2014. 
Jumping into your recruitment, obviously, again, you were a very highly touted recruit, had a bunch of different options. I think it came down to Alabama was another option for you. Georgia, I know, played a huge right. factor. But you eventually decided to come to the University of South Carolina. Talk about just your recruitment as a whole and why you chose to be a Gamecock. Um, my recruitment process was it was it was crazy. Um, you know, I never thought I never thought that I was gonna be, you know, the the type of recruit I was. Um, you know, I just always saw the guys in front of me. Uh I had a couple of guys at Cedar Grove that were all Americans, you know, we had Under Armour All Americans, Army All Americans, and for me, um I just wanted to follow, you know, follow suit. And, you know, um my recruitment, you know, Coach Ward came along, um and you know, he, he came in, you know, recruiting my family. Um, as far as, you know, just, just making sure you develop a relationship with my mom, who, you know, the closest to me. Um, and that was, that was pretty big. I mean, you know, a lot of other schools were, were more focused on me and, you know, you know, trying to sell me dreams. But I feel like with Coach Ward, you know, he gave me an opportunity to, you know, look at the depth chart we had coming in, you know, looking at the, you know, the opportunity I had to play as a true freshman. And, um, you know, it just was an easy decision for me. Um, and, and the community really sold me as well. Uh, you know, gang combination is, is like no other. Uh, and I wanted to go, you know, create a legacy and, you know, go be, go be somebody and, you know, be something at a school that's just bigger than a football player. And I was able to do that at South Carolina. So. For sure. So tell me, Bryson, what's it like coming out of high school, you know, being such a highly touted recruit? You're coming into a program, you know, this was after 2013 where South Carolina from 2010 to 2013 had had a real, you know, had a real run of success under right. Steve Spurrier. What, what is the – what is the pressure like for you or for the player, if any, being that highly touted of a recruit coming into a program where obviously, you know, the expectations are extremely high every single year? Um, it's, it's it's big. I feel like, you know, for I feel like it's better now as far as, you know, crews coming out because, you know, they know they know about social media, they know about what the teams are going through. Um, you know, for me, I was just I was kind of wild eyed, you know, wild eyed, um, coming in just thinking that, you know, as a freshman, just because, you know, you, you, you come out of high school doing that, you're able to do the same thing on the collegiate level. And I feel like, you know, just being an early enrollee and, you know, a couple of guys that, you know, we have coming in this year's class for South Carolina, um, I feel like they're going to have a way better opportunity and, you know, produce way more than I was able to um, just based off coming in early. I feel like, you know, that experience to come in early, you know, have a spring under your belt before you actually jump into the season, uh, I feel like that helps a lot. And, you know, I wasn't able to go through that. So that pressure and, you know, just the speed of the game, um, it's, it's completely different. And, you know, being able to come in, like I said, as a, as a freshman uh, in the, in the mid-year, I feel like that's going to help out a lot of guys. So. Absolutely. So let's get to 2014. You were a true freshman. I believe you and Al Harris Jr. were the first true freshman to start a season opener since uh, – season opener, I should say, since Jadavion Clowney did in 2011. So right. obviously, high, you know – very, very, uh, very big time for you. Obviously, again, the early playing time at South Carolina, but you were a guy that kind of jumped all over the field your freshman season. You started right. the season at linebacker, were moved to defensive end. Um, just talk about that 2014 season as a whole. You know, being a true <clears throat> freshman, what was that like for you? Kind of moving all over the field and playing different positions under under Lorenzo Ward and that defensive scheme. Um, you know, just coming in, you know, throughout my recruitment process, Coach Ward, you know, he always more had versatility. Um, and you know, for me. I'm a team player. I've always been a team player since high school. Um, and, you know, with a couple of guys that we weren't able to get in, um, you know, due to grades, due to, you know, not being able to enroll, um, we, we had kind of a lack of, of depth at defensive line. So, um, for me, you know, we tried to – Coach Ward, you know, we tried to get a couple of different packages in, you know, get me involved in the game plan. 
Um, but you know, just like I said, you know, I wasn't I wasn't ready. Um, you know, I you know, a lot of people, you know, pose red serving and you know, I think that that probably would have been the best thing for me at the time. But, you know, just looking back on that season, um, I don't regret it at all because I was able to gain a lot of experience that, you know, a lot of people, you know, aren't able to as far as, you know, going through the ups and downs, you know, playing under Coach Spurrier his last full season, you know, playing with guys like Mike Davis, uh, you know, playing with guys, you know, that, that we – other guys that we had, you know, on the defense and on the team that, you know, even though I wasn't able to produce at the level that, you know, I wanted to, um, I was able to gather a lot of experience to play against a lot of great teams that year. So, Absolutely. So, Bryson, I don't think it's a secret. You obviously are a very fiery guy. You showed that passion and emotion All with right. you. I, I remember specifically from your freshman season, uh, I was at the 2014 Georgia game that you guys were able to pull out. But I remember specifically the play, you know, right. you're a true freshman. I remember you guys on the defense, yourself included, getting in the face of Todd Gurley. And there, there was a lot of emotion. Right. You were very fired up. Just talk about where that comes from for you. Is it something inside, just kind of the way you were raised to play? or Where does that come, that passion and that fire come for you? Um, I mean, just the way I was, you know, the way I was raised playing the game. Um, you know, I come from Ellenwood. Um, and, you know, I played at a park called Gresham Park. A lot of guys in the league and throughout, you know, college football ranks, you know, they, they come from that park. Um, it's a, you know, it's a big park in Atlanta or whatever. Um, and just for me, you know, I've, I've always played with passion. Um, and, you know, just the coaches that I've had around me, you know, they always, you know, they always have, you know, coined me as a leader. Um, and I feel like, you know, you lead by example. You lead by the way that you play. You lead by, you know, your effort um, on, on and off the field. And I feel like, you know, just – just that passion. When I'm on the football field, it's kind of like a relief for me. You know, I'm a, I try to be a, you know, nice gentleman off the field. But when I'm on that football field, I turn into a different person. Um, and you know, it's just, it's just a, a release. It's able to, you know, you're just able to be free. Um, you're able to, you know, go out and play in the, you know, play in the scheme, but go out and, and do your thing. And, you know, uh, play as physical as you can on the field. So I feel like just that passion has always been inside of me. But I'm able to release it on the football field. No doubt. So moving to 2015, obviously the season did not go how I know the team hoped, how uh, Gamecock fans right. hoped it would. But 2015, you're a guy that's obviously battled a ton of adversity. We're going to get to a little bit more in just a second. But just just talk about that 2015 season as a whole and just how tough that was uh, for you guys and how hungry it made you for the rest of your career, really. Um, You know, 2015, Um, you know, like I said, Coach Ward, he ended up uh, getting kind of demoted from the defensive coordinator. Uh, Coach, you know, Coach Hope primarily took over we pretty much took over the whole defense um and for me I kind of was out in the mix um you know I'm not I'm not the biggest guy so you know he really didn't want me playing defensive end um and they and you know he came from a he came from the Bears so he believed in you know just the ones going to stay out there the, the ones are going to play regardless if they if they do bad or not um and you know for me it was kind of it was kind of hard because like you said I, I came out of high school thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I was top 100 player, you know, top 10 linebacker in the country and, you know, not playing as much my sophomore year, it kind of, you know, it kind of discouraged me a lot. Um, I wasn't able to, you know, I, I ended up, you know, just thinking about transferring, um, you know, but luckily I have a strong support system around me. You know, my mom, um, you know, she's always talked to me about commitment. Um, and that's one reason why I stay committed. You know, like you said earlier, Georgia came in, and, you know, signing day, I had two letter of intent. They sent me a letter of intent, and I had a letter of intent for South Carolina. But I've always been a guy that, you know, strongly believes in commitment. If you if you commit to something, you got to stay committed to it. 
Um, and, you know, so that 2015 season, you know, it didn't go the way I planned. It didn't go the way we planned as a team. But for me, I could just I could just feel that, you know, Coach Turner was going to bring in somebody who, you know, who, who believes in defense, who believes in, you know, effort, who believes in hard work and that could, you know, potentially put us back to the top. So um, it was easy for me to stay. Absolutely. So obviously, again, 2015 brought the resignation of Steve Spurrier. Um, talk about just that entire situation, because we, we've talked with Barry Orth before, your former teammate. We've talked with some other guys on those teams, and you know they said they didn't see it coming. They had absolutely no idea. They were blindsided right. by it. What do you recall from that entire situation? Um, I remember going to practice one day. Uh, Coach Spurrier came out a little late. And, you know, we had practice, whatever. Uh, it was right after the LSU loss. And um, I just remember seeing on Twitter, it said that Coach Ferrer resigned. None of us none of us really knew what happened. Um, you know, we were like, oh, that's, you know, that's people just talking. You know, we just lost to LSU. The season wasn't going as good, you know, as we thought it would. Um, after, you know, after being North Carolina that first game, you know, we were kind of we on a high horse. And, you know, just – after we lost that game to LSU, you could just kind of feel like a somber feeling around the program. Um, and, you know, like I said, Tuesday morning, uh, we get it, everybody, you know, gets a text from, you know, Rick, uh, Coach Turner just saying that, you know, Coach Coach Furrier decided to, you know, step down. Um, and we had a, you know, we had a meeting or whatever just to, you know, the, our seniors and our leaders of that year, they ended up having a meeting to decide, you know, who was going to be our next head coach. So. So, as in, there's a lot of different takes on, you know, Steve Spurrier has his reasons. There's a lot of different people, a lot of different opinions from somebody in that locker room. Um, I'll just ask you, Bryson, frankly, I mean, did it, did it rub you the wrong way and other guys the wrong way for Coach Spurrier to step down when he did and kind of handle it in the manner in which he did? Um, it did rub a lot of guys the wrong way. For me, uh, I could – you could just tell – you could just tell that, you know, he didn't – he didn't – not that he didn't want to coach us – you know, per se, but I feel like, you know, it just, it wasn't what he thought it was going to be this last year. Uh, I feel like after the 2014 season, it's going 7-6. Uh, he, he thought that we were going to, you know, kind of have the potential, you know, to to get back to that level. But, you know, after the comments, you know, the three or four-year comments, you know, the, the recruiting class that was supposed to come in in 2015 kind of kind of was dismembered. Um, and, you know, it kind of was a, a shake-back class instead of, you know, the class that we thought that we were going to originally have. Um, so I know that 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 kind of you know affected him um, just the recruiting the whole you know the whole recruiting tax on a you know on an older head coach it was kind of you know the game was changing so it was kind of hard I feel like you know he got out when it was best for him um, you know Coach Spurrier is one of the main reasons I I came to South Carolina as well you know just just playing for a guy like that playing for a guy that's a legend um, he was able to get the program to a level that was you know that that's never seen before so you know. Um, I appreciate Coach Spurrier for, you know, being there. And, you know, even though he stepped down when he did, you know, I, I never have any bad words for him. Absolutely. So, we all know Sean Elliott took over. You guys close out the season. Um, then the Gamecocks hire Will Muschamp, which I have to right. imagine, you know, Bryson, for you, again, being a defensive guy, maybe feeling like you've been, you know, at this point in your career at South Carolina, misutilized maybe a little bit. Your full potential right. hadn't come out for a defensive-minded you know, head coach like a, and a guy with the track record that Will Muschamp had. I'm sure that had to be. You had to be extremely excited when that uh that hire oh, was yeah, announced. Definitely. Yeah, I was excited. Um, one one for the reason that you said, and then two, coach coach uh, Muschamp was my first offer. Um, you know, he offered me at Florida. I remember, you know, that being my first college visit. 
So, you know, we kind of had a relationship. Uh, the year before, you know, the year prior, he was at Auburn, you know, recruiting my brother. So, you know, him and my mom had a great relationship as well. And, you know, it just was a good fit. Um, like I told you earlier, you know, I was I was in the process of thinking about transfer. Um, and, you know, you know, just just credit to, you know, my mom and God, you know, for putting, you know, the right, you know, putting me in the right situation. Um, with Coach Muschamp, and I feel like, you know, when Coach Muschamp came in, I kind of, I kind of just started to, started to feel that, you know, I was going to be able to turn my career around. So, absolutely. So, getting off of football for just a second, because you brought up your mom again, and I think anybody that follows you, any Gamecock fans that follow you, most likely probably follow your mom on social media as well, and know you guys right. have a very, very close relationship. You're very family oriented. Just, just kind of talk about, right. you know, that relationship you have with your mother, and just how it's helped you throughout your football career. Um, you know, my mom's been at almost, you know, until this season, you know, she had, she was a little sick, you know, this year. Um, and just until this season, she had been at every game since I was, since I can remember. Um, my mom, she's, she's my biggest fan. Um, you know, my biggest critic, uh, you know, it's not just her, you know, she, she criticizes me more than, than people will understand. She's harder on me than not. Well, she's not hard on me than I am on myself, but she's a, she's a close second. Um, and I appreciate her for that. You know, I feel like, you know, nowadays a lot of parents coddle coddle kids too much, um, and she's one that you know she loves me. She she makes sure that you know I know I know that she you know is always gonna be in my corner. But if I'm wrong, she's gonna let me know I'm wrong. If I didn't play good, she's gonna make sure she let me know I didn't play good. Um, and I just feel like that relationship is you know very important to me. I feel like you know there's not too many people that I you know I trust a lot. You know I don't trust a lot of people, but I feel like my mom is one of the only people that I could talk to about anything and she not judging you know she just you know would tell me how it is and how, and how she perceives things um so you know just that relationship it it motivates me on the football field um just seeing her you know understand you know making sure that you know I make her proud absolutely so moving into 2016 I mentioned like I said that Will Muschamp for you had to be somewhat of a breath of fresh air relief, if you will. And it definitely paid off on the field. I mean, 2016, you had 75 total tackles, eight and a half for loss, two sacks, two picks, a fumble, uh, forced fumble, fumble recovery. What clicked for you in 2016? Was it as simple as just the scheme that Coach Muschamp brought along with him? Uh, or what was it in 2016 that really helped you have a fantastic year? Um, I feel like it was my role one. Um, I feel like it was a scheme as well, but overall, I feel like it was more more of myself. Um, starting to understand that you know this is your junior year. Um, you don't have a red shirt. Um, you, you you know you've used you've used those years. You use those opportunities to you know to make you know make immature mistakes on the field. You know make mental mistakes. Um, it just finally clicked for me in my head that you know, and then more more so off the field. You know having to put the work in, you know, it's okay to do your workout with the coaches and, you know, do the workout with the strength coaches. But I think when Coach Muschamp came in with Coach Demon, they kind of start, they kind of instilled in us a, a culture that, you know, it's not okay just to be average. It's not okay just to, to do the, the bare minimum. Um, if you want to be great or something, you have to put the extra time in. And I feel like that kind of clicked for me in my turn year. For sure. So the Will Muschamp transition, I mean, was there um, – was there anything tough about that, Bryson? Because I'll be honest, from an outsider's point of view, it seemed like a very smooth transition and that guys, you know, right. guys inside the program really embraced the the effort, toughness, discipline mantra, the, you know, working hard, kind of what Will Muschamp's all about, the intensity. What was the transition right. like? Because it seemed like it was very, very welcome from the players and really just from a program perspective. 
Um, I feel like I feel like you know, Kobe Martin. He said the tone with his first TV with his um, you know, he all, he told us that you know, change is inevitable. Um, and it's it's all about how you respond to change. Um, and you know, for us, you know, coming from a three and nine team, we kind of were accepting to anything. You know, anybody who's gonna come in and you know change this program around to put it back, you know, on the national prominence and you know put it on the national stage that we were supposed to be on. Um, I feel like when Coach Mustang came in and said that, I feel like a lot of people, you know, it was no heads that, you know, kind of turned. I feel like a lot of people were, you know, they, they were accepted to that because, you know, everybody, you want to win. You want to win in college. You don't want to go through, you know, three and nine season. You don't want to not, you know, go to a bowl game. I feel like that was the longest December I ever had. You know, going home December December 5th and not coming back to school until January 15th, like, that was that was a long time not to, you know, not to be around football. Um, and like I said, Coach Mustang, he came in and he established what you know what he wanted out of his guys. And you know, we were all accepting, and he made it. He made it kind of crucial on the guys that were leaders on the team to to make sure if you hear anything in the locker room, guys bickering, guys you know saying stuff. You know, as far as you know, talking talking against what he wants, let him know. Um, you know, and you handle it yourself because it's our team. And I feel like that's kind of the biggest thing too. Uh, he made it a player. He made it a player on team. So you know, it's more. You know, the coaches really don't. Coaches really all they do. All they need to do is coach the scheme. Uh, players need to handle discipline. Um, players need to handle you know accountability to each other. And I feel like you know that's that's kind of something that he brought along. Absolutely. So moving into 2017, 2016, again, I, I think you guys had a pretty good season, everything considered, obviously making a bowl game and Will Muschamp's first year. Uh, you personally, Bryson, going to 2017, I remember you absolutely balled out against NC State, Missouri. You're off to a fantastic start. Um, you know, right. in total tackles, two sacks, a pick, a fumble recovery. This is just in three games. Uh, the third game against Kentucky, again, you face adversity. You're injured. You're out for the rest of the season. Just talk about right. how tough that was, you know, going through that type of adversity when you're off to such a good start and, you're, and what was going to be your senior season. Um, it was tough. Uh, like you said, you know, it was just my senior season. I wanted to make sure, you know, I put my best foot forward. I feel like I was at, you know, one of the one of the healthiest stages I was at in a long time. And, you know, my physical my physical state was probably the best I've, I've been at since I've been in South Carolina. Uh, while I was at, you know, when I was at South Carolina, it was the best that I've been at. Um, I feel like, you know, it was it was hard, but you know, I feel like God gives his toughest battles, you know, to his toughest warriors. And I feel like, you know, for me, um, it's, um, you know, it made me sit down, it made me, you know, pray a lot more. Um, it made me, you know, get get into my faith a lot more. It changed me as a person for the better. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of times people go through injuries and you know get into depression or you know, uh, you know end up going into a cell, but I feel like it helped me out a lot. Um, I, have, I have a strong support system, like I told you throughout, you know, throughout this whole, you know, this whole conversation, you know, I, I have a strong support system. So, uh, you know, my support system wouldn't let me get down on myself. Um, they were, you know, they were there as soon as, you know, most of my family was at that game. Um, it was the first home game, and for me, um, like I said, it just made me sit back. I was able to learn, you know, learn a lot more throughout that season. Um, I was able to, you know, become a leader off the field, um, doing, you know, doing things with the SEC leadership, doing things with, you know, the autonomy, uh, autonomy meeting, you know, which helped pass the transfer rule that everyone is using now. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, it was hard for me, but 
I was able to I was able to do a lot, you know, off the field uh, to kind of get my mind off of it. No doubt. So was it ever a was there ever even any consideration of not coming back in 2018 or were you, you know, comfortable with coming back have, having your full senior season? I know it can be a decision where you're you're draft eligible at that point. I mean, if you get healthy right. and in time of the draft, you could technically make the decision to leave, but I mean, was there ever any doubt for you that you were coming back to school? Um for me, no. I hadn't I haven't grad, you know, I didn't graduate at that point. Um, so, you know, for me, with my dad playing in the league, my dad didn't get his degree. So for me, the first thing that I was making sure that I was doing, you know, before I left school was getting my degree. Um, so at that point, you know, I, you know, I didn't, I never contemplated not coming back. Um, I don't feel like I had accomplished the things that I needed to accomplish at South Carolina. Um, and you know, for me, it it just made it, it, you know, just getting hurt, it made it, you know, it made me more hungry to, you know, come back and, and get to a dominant level. Uh, when I step back on the field. Absolutely. So before I get into 2018 this past season, Bryson, I want to ask you something you touched on a little bit earlier, kind of random, but you talked about kind of the social media aspect of things. Obviously, with big-time college football and the way that social media has evolved, you know, you guys are obviously all on social media, and as we all know, it can be a gift and it can be a curse. Uh, People at the moment tweet things, say things, post things that, you know, they vent their frustration via that outlet. And I say the best and worst thing about social media is it gives everyone a voice. Um, how exactly. much does, does that ever, as a player, does that ever get to you guys at all? Do you, I mean, do you do you see that stuff? I mean, just as a former player, as recent as this past season, just kind of talk me through, like, what that's like, kind of dealing with that on a week-to-week basis. I mean, I mean, of course, of course you see it. Um, and you got to understand the world that we live in to, the, you know, now people, like you said, people are very expressive of, of how they feel. Um, you may, you know, it may not be, it may not be valid opinions. It may not be valid statements. Um, but at the same time, you have to give people, you know, people have the right to say what they want. Um, but you as a player and you knowing what's going on within the program, you knowing what's going on on the field, uh, you may, it may, it may look like you gave up a play. But, you know, it might be, you know, something involving the scheme or somebody else. But you can't say anything because at the end of the day, you know, people, they pay their money to, you know, come to the game. They pay their money to watch the game. Um, you got to give them you got to give them the opportunity to speak how they feel. Um, you just have to understand that you can't take what people say on social media to heart because it's not – it's social media. It's a, it's a platform. It's a free app that people get the opportunity to pay for, you know, or get the opportunity to use. So, you know, you can't really take something that somebody doesn't – who doesn't know you, doesn't know what you go through, doesn't know the work that you put in. You can't take what they say to heart because they don't know you. They don't know the real story a lot of the time. So, that's how I feel about it. But uh, at the same time, a lot of guys do take it – you know, take it hard. They respond to it. And I feel like that's just – it's just clutter, right, you know, at this point. Uh, you just really – you really don't need to respond to it. You really don't even need to, to care about it because, like I said earlier, you know, it's – they don't know. They don't know the real story. They don't know what they see, and a lot of the times, you know, per, you know, perception is our people. Well, is a, a person's reality, and you know, it might not be your reality because you have a different perception of it. So, absolutely. So again, moving into the 2018 season, this past year, you're a fifth year senior playing the Buck Sam position. Um, you dealt with some adversity last season, but I want to start from kind of the beginning. Obviously. You know, after 2017, you guys win the Outback Bowl, beat Michigan. There were a ton of expectations. I know you guys' goals never change. You have beat the East, win the state. 
Um, you guys have right. your set goals, but talk about the hype surrounding going into 2018. I feel like it had to be at as much a fever as much a fever pitch as when you first got to South Carolina in 2014. What was that right. like, kind of dealing with the hype leading into last season? Um, it was definitely it was definitely you know a great you know full circle for me. I felt like you know we finally had the opportunity to get back to the state, you know, get back to the level that you know we we wanted to be on. Um, you know, when we came in and like you said, you know, just dealing with the hype, you know, it it's it's cool at certain times, but I feel like you know with the younger team, it's kind of hard for a lot of people to understand the difference between hype and reality. Um, I feel like you know for me that was. That was one of my things and one of my, you know, one of the things I was trying to, you know, do is, you know, with a lot of younger guys, you have to, you have to understand you, the work still has to be put in just because you project this second in the East doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to finish second in the East. You have to actually work for it. You have to actually put the, you know, put the work in. You can't just talk about it or, you know, get on social media and, and you know, post what you're doing and, you know, just, just for the retweets and because everybody cares about you right now. Because, uh, you know, as you see, after we lost to Georgia, everybody thought the season was over. Um, the season, you know, people felt like the, the entire season was over. So, you know, for me, um, it was just, you know, it was it was cool to have the hype. But at the same time, you know, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for a younger team to, to have that hype surrounding For sure. And you leave me in my next question, Bryson, because like you said, I mean – it was crazy. Literally every single day in the summer, I mean, people were had that game circled, counting down to that game as being at this massive showdown in Columbia. And obviously, you know, Georgia came into Columbia, and they, they were Georgia. Um, and like right. you said, South Carolina had a very young team again in 2018. Uh, did you feel like that sort of took the balloon out of some of the younger guys? Because like you said, these guys are first time being uh, exposed to college football Georgia comes exactly. into town again. Did what they did. Did you feel like that sort of took some of the air out of the balloon of those guys? Um, I do honestly, but you know, at the same time, a lot of people put, like you said, people put too much to put too much emphasis in that game rather than you know understanding that you know Georgia Georgia had a very loaded team this year, and you you know you see that as they went on to you know go to SEC championship and almost the Alabama like Georgia was loaded this year. So I feel like for us. You know, rather than putting, you know, emphasis in one game, we should have put emphasis in all of them, uh, and which we did. You know, after after losing that game, I feel like that humbled a lot of us, and you know, end up you know making guys realize that you know we have a lot of work to do, and you know, as a program, we have a lot of work to do. Um, and you know, I feel like you know after that game, it it kind of it kind of opened some eyes, and you know, under you know a lot of the younger guys started to understand that you know it's. It's more than just hype. You can't just you can't just go. You know, after we beat coastal, you know, we beat coastal like forty nine zero or something. You know, that's 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 a good game, yeah. But at the same time, you know, that one game isn't going to define you, and when one loss doesn't define the whole season. So, um, you know, just understanding that, you know, you can't just can't put put all your eggs in one basket, and you know, if, if that basket spills over and your eggs crash, you know, you don't go get any more eggs. So. Absolutely. So you obviously got off to a hot start that uh, 2018. Though you had five tackles, three loss, uh, three for loss, a sack in the opening game against Coastal, like you mentioned. Um, obviously, uh, also very impressive. The Missouri win, six tackles, three tackles for loss. Talk about just you personally as a player, Bryson, from your freshman season to last year. Where do you feel like you improved the most overall as a player? I feel like just my my finishing uh, ability. You know. 
Uh, freshman year, I was around a lot of plays, but I didn't finish them. Um, I feel like, you know, just just actually understanding my role in the defense, understanding my job, what, what the coaches were asking of me, I feel like that helped me out a lot as well. Um, and, and just the confidence that the coaches had in me to let me just go out and play instead of, you know, trying to overcoach me or telling me, you know, to, you know, do this and do that. You know, they just let me go out and play. They told me my job and said, you know, go out and play. Go out and play as hard as you can. Um, I feel like also just off the field, I was able to, like I said, you know, my junior year, I understood the type of work that had to be put in. And, you know, after I got hurt my senior, my true senior year um, and had the red shirt, this year I just felt like, you know, I got to put in even more than I put in last year because, you know, the opportunity is bigger and I'm coming back from an injury. So I feel like that helped me out a lot this year. For sure. So a game I want to talk about, Bryson, now that you're, you know, you're done, you're graduated, you're going on to the NFL, uh, the Kentucky game. You guys went up to Lexington right. this past season, obviously did not turn out the way that you guys hoped it would, the Gamecock fans hoped it would. Um, if you had a message for the 2019 team, this year's team, uh, Kentucky coming to Columbia, obviously those guys have won five in a row against South Carolina. What would the yeah. message be? I mean, what's your takeaway on that game specifically? Is it something that Kentucky's doing? Is it a mental thing with South Carolina? I mean, what's kind of your take on that? how that series has gone of late? Um, our physical. Uh, we have to be more physical than Kentucky. I feel like, you know, early in the game, this, this year they out physical us. Um, and I feel like, for for the team this year, I feel like they're gonna be way more prepared than we were last year. Um, as far as like I said, a lot of the younger guys they understand. You know, they went through their bumps and bruises this year. They understand what it takes to be a dominant team, and I'm I'm way more excited. You know, being a former player, I'm I'm excited to see this team. Um, a lot of people, you know, they're not gonna give them the hype that 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 we got last year because we don't have a lot of the big name guys. Um, but I feel like this team, the way that they're working, you know the the, the coaching staff that we have put together now, um, I feel like, you know, I, I can't wait to see this team play. No doubt. So, obviously, after that game, you know, you played on defense, but there was a major, I don't want to say quarterback controversy, but there was a lot of conversation at the quarterback position. Obviously, Jake gets hurt. Um, Michael Skarnecchia, who we had on this show a couple of weeks ago, has a fantastic game against Missouri. I'm not sure anybody was expecting him to have it. We'll start with that first. Because um, I'm sure right. you guys, you know, you focus on your on the defense. You're not really worried about what the offense is doing. But as just your teammate, as someone that hadn't gotten really an opportunity to play in his entire career and goes out and did what he did against Missouri, and you guys are able to get a huge win at home in what was a crazy, crazy game. Um, how, right. how cool was that to see that for your for your teammate and what Michael Skarnacki was able to do? Uh, it, was, it was it was I was excited. Uh, you know, me and Mike, we came in the same year. Um, we came in around the same time that first that first session in the summertime, and you know just being with Mike, um, just seeing the way he worked, just seeing the way you know he battled through through injuries himself, you know, uh, you know, have maintained a, a 3.5 GPA, you know, being a backup quarterback, you know, a lot of people never thought that he would touch the field. Um, just to see him get that big win at home, it was it was it was huge to me. Um, and like I said, Mike is one of my one of my closest friends in the program. Um, and, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. And, like I said, I was I was definitely excited over there on defense for him. For sure. Have you ever played in a crazier game than that uh, that Missouri game last season? <laughs> no, nah, that was – that felt like a game out of park ball or something, like, you know, <laughs> recreational ball. Like, I never played anything like that. For sure. So, after that game, obviously, we talked about social media a little bit earlier. 
the week leading into the Texas A&M game, obviously a lot of people, everyone had their opinions on who should be the starting quarterback. I mean, literally the, the flagship radio station in Columbia is talking about it every single morning, every single day. As a defensive player, did you guys even worry about who was going to be the starting quarterback? Did it affect you in any way? Um, just talk about what that was like. Um, not really. We we know you know if Jake if Jake's healthy, Jake is as dominant as a quarterback as anybody in the country. So you know we have we had the utmost confidence in Jake, and we understood that you know people got to understand that you know every quarterback is not going to have a great game. Um, you know, early in the season, a lot of our you know a lot of the balls dropped. Um, there's a lot of things you know that went you know that went wrong, but everyone wants to place the thing, uh, place the blame on Jake. And, you know, for a quarterback, you have to shoulder that load. And I feel like he did a great job of shouldering it, you know, not not speaking out against it, not, you know, not worrying about what people have to say about him. Um, but, you know, people hear it in the locker room. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the times it can it can cause a, a divide in the locker room. But we understood that, you know, Jake, if Jake is healthy, Jake's going to be our quarterback and Jake's going to go out there and play right off for it. So, um, like I said, I appreciate Jake for, you know, always remaining him and really not worrying too much about what others have to say about him because he knows what he can do when, when he's 100%. For sure. So after that game, you guys uh, come back to Williams-Brice, beat Tennessee, beat Ole Miss, and some really big wins. Um, before I move on further, I want to talk about defensively, Bryce, and you guys suffered a ton of injuries this season. Um, you as well. I mean, do you have right. any insight, any – is it? I mean, was it all just – Freak deals. I mean, I know Ole Miss. There was a lot of talk about the playing service out there. Um, right. But I mean, can you can you put into perspective? I mean, what it was like being on that defense because it seemed like guys were just dropping like flies out there. Um, I feel like it was just like like you said, just just football, um, just freak injuries. I feel like you know that's not you know hindsight is twenty twenty, but I feel like that's one of the reasons why our season wasn't as good as we could have been. Um, you know, with with me and DJ being able to be on the field at the same time, we would have been able to bring a lot of a lot of problems to opposing offense. You know, just us two on the edge with three guys inside. You know, healthy with with healthy DBs. I feel like it would have brought a lot of problems. But you know, um, I feel like just just you know, the football guys just in. You know, it wasn't our time. Um, and you know, the injuries went the way they went. Um, and. You know, it, it is what it is now, but, you know, that, that team would have definitely been scary if we were 100%. No doubt. And, and, Bryson, you know, some people, you know, again, social media, but some people talk about – I saw some opinions of, well, the the training staff, Jeff Dillman, this is why the, the injuries – I mean, can, is that like the silliest thing you've ever heard? Because in my opinion, that makes absolutely yeah, no sense that, you know – Yeah, how can you blame – how can you blame somebody <laughs> for for in- I mean, for me, I had a, I had a, a, a ankle sprain that you know somebody rolled under my ankle as I'm making a play on the ball. Like it, it's freak accidents like that. You know, DJ's injury happened as a lineman rolled under him as he's going to make a tackle on the quarterback. Like it's it's a little you know little injuries like that that you can't control. Um, and I feel like you know people like people say what they want to say. Like you said, the social media they're going they they're going to have their opportunity and the, you know the ability to to speak on how they feel, but at the same time, you know, we knew on the inside of the program that, you know, it's just bad luck, really. Um, and, you know, people, teams have injuries like this one year and then never have injuries again. So, you know, I'm hoping that for the team coming up this year. No doubt. So you were one of three players, Bryson, to earn a comeback player of the year, along with Debo and Casey Crosby. 
But then you suffer the right. injury again, like I said, in the old Miss game. Um, not quite as serious, obviously, as 2017. But, I mean, talk about, again, right. when adversity struck. Uh, just how you were able to handle that, because I can imagine, obviously, in your senior season, near the tail end of the season, that had to be really tough for you. Oh, yeah, it was hard. Uh, that, that that was probably harder than, you know, the shoulder injury, um, just because I, I knew how my season was going at that point. You know, I was a top five defender in the SEC as far as the PFF rating go. Um, and, you know, it was, just, it was it was difficult for me to, to understand, you know, to, to – to feel that injury again, feel that pain of having to go through rehab, but I always, I knew, I knew it was an ankle. I knew it was my, you know, my ankle was, you know, just severely sprained. Um, you know, I had, you know, a couple of ligaments in there that I had to get, you know, fixed up. But at the same time, I, I knew that I was coming back from, you know, for the bowl game. I was going to try to come back for the last game, but you know, the the bowl game was my was my goal. Um, just so I could put the South Carolina uniform on one more time and you know represent the Gamecocks the way I wanted to. So. No doubt. So, Bryson, shed some light for us on what it's like as a player at South Carolina for the Carolina-Clemson rivalry. Obviously, um, the games didn't go exactly how you guys would have hoped, but I feel like while you were there, the games were did not lack intensity. I mean, I think specifically of what happened in 2016 with, you know, you guys right. coming out post-game and kind of shedding light on what was going on in the field. I know 2017 um, with Clemson doing their walk of champions toward the student section. There was a lot of hostility. I mean, no doubt. The two teams don't right. like each other. There's bad blood. But from a player's perspective, just talk about your uh, your takeaways and what you remember from the Carolina-Clemson rivalry. Um, I feel like, you know, for me, I only played in three to five, uh, which was kind of, you know, for me, I wanted to – I would, you know, I really wanted to get on the field this year uh, up there against them. Um, I kind of had that one mark, you know, in my own head, but – you know, it's it's a it's a great rivalry. I feel like, you know, teams go through their stretches where they're on top. Um, I feel like Kobe Mustang is doing a great job of recruiting and recruiting the type of guys that he wants and the type of guys that can win games like that. Um in crucial, you know, against big time teams in crucial situations. Um, you know, it's a it's a fierce rivalry. Um and we don't like each other. You put it, you can put it in simpler terms. Um, I have a couple of friends that play over there, you know, that play that Clemson, um, but at the same time um, when you step in between those lines, I don't like you because you had a, the orange and purple on. So it's a very intense rivalry. Yeah, I, I hate them too. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So you were able, Bryson, to come back for the bowl game. Obviously, you guys make the Belk Bowl against Virginia and Charlotte. You're able to come back, which I know had to be a great feeling, you know, getting to play in your last college game, put the garnet and black on one more time. Um, you guys go out, obviously, you don't get the result you want, a 28 nothing loss. Right. There was a lot of talk after the game about, the team not looking prepared, not looking motivated, things of that nature. I mean, what do you say to that? Do you feel like you guys, maybe, or maybe some of your younger guys, you talked about that earlier, do you feel like guys didn't take the bowl game quite as seriously as they should have, or was Virginia just better that day? Uh, I feel like Virginia, you know, you got to give credit to Virginia. This is probably one of their best seasons that they had in a long time. They have a lot of guys going to the draft this year. Uh, a lot of guys that, you know, were playing their last game as well. Um, and, you know, they played at a high level. Um, you know, for us, I feel like if we were 100%, it would have been a different ball game. But at the same time, you know, like I told you earlier, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, They were the better team that day, and they won. So, For sure. Have you ever seen or played on a team maybe even – have you seen a team that's had the type of injuries you guys had? Because, I mean, I think at one point in the bowl game, it was like seven uh-huh. – seven freshmen are on the field at the same time. I mean, I, I, exactly, I know as, yeah. as someone that's watched football and as a fan, I've never seen any team 
suffer the type of injuries you guys did this year. I mean, it's crazy. I think we had, I think we had 17, 17 guys who had two deep end up getting injured this year. And that says a lot, you know, about the luck that we had this year. Um, but at the same time, I feel like, like I told you earlier, I, I think that, you know, going through that adversity for these younger guys, um, it's just going to mold them and build them for for the years to come. And I think that, you know, it's kind of, kind of similar to what happened with Coach Spurrier in, you know, 2008. They had, you know, they didn't really have the best season. You know, 2009, they ended up, you know, picking it up a little bit. And then 2010, they went on that run. So, um, you know, it's, it's I feel like these guys, it's, it's time for them. A lot of the guys are becoming juniors and seniors, you know, uh, you know, getting into their last couple of years. And I think that they're ready and prepared to, you know, play South Carolina football the way that they know how. Absolutely. So, Bryson, I do want to talk about as, pre- as impressive as you were on the field. In my opinion, you were just as impressive off the field as well. You talked about – I appreciate um, that. Yeah, you were elected as the vice chair of the SEC Football Leadership Council, also did other things outside of football. I know the list goes on and on for you. God, it was extremely involved. Talk about just what the uh, – I guess what the motivating factors for Bryson Allen Williams was to be so involved and how uh, – why that was important to you. Um, I think, you know, whatever school I wanted to go to, uh, you know, especially to in South Carolina, I didn't want to just be another guy. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be a guy that was involved in the community, a guy that, you know, helped change the landscape for, you know, the next generation that, that followed behind me. Um, I, you know, it, it wasn't able to happen on the field the way I wanted to. But like I told you earlier, you know, being a part of the autonomy, meeting, you know, I was one of, I want to say, five or six student-athletes uh, amongst all the commissioners of every Power Five conference, um, and you know, ADs were there. Uh, female, you know, athletic directors, female associate, you know, associate directors, and you know, being able to pass that transfer uh, portal rule, um, I feel like you know that that's a that's something that's changing. You know, that's going to change the college football game for generations to come. Um, and just being able to you know sit in and uh, you know be a part of the first SEC. You know, leadership council for the football players. Um, that's just something that that for me is is huge. And you know, I I love everyone over at the SEC. You know, uh, Miss Missy Brown, you know, Commissioner Sankey. Uh, you know, they those are those are people that that really helped change me as far as you know the person that I am uh, off the field. Um, and just being involved in my community. You know, interning at ABC Columbia. Uh, you know, the people over there. You know, they were they were very accepting to me and they you know they treated me like I was an employee the whole time I was there so you know just being thoroughly involved in the community I feel like that helped me out a lot absolutely so you were invited to the NFL combine Bryson with a couple of your other teammates but you specifically um I know we talked a little bit off air about it but what specifically are you working on right now to get ready for the combine I know like you said you're in Nashville right now training um what specifically are you getting you know working the most on so you can go to the combine and make a big splash um, my forty. Um, I feel like you know I'm a I'm a very versatile player. Um, you know my my field work, you know it's gonna speak for itself. But um, I feel like just showing that speed. Um, you know showing my lateral quickness throughout my shuttle drills. Um, I feel like that's gonna just you know that's gonna set me apart and you know just kind of kind of help help put me to where you know teams you know I should be. Um, you know I'm back coming back on my ankle injury. I know a lot of teams want to you know see how my ankle is. Uh, you know, they want to, you know, test it out for themselves. But, you know, um, for me, I was able to go down to the Tropical Bowl, and I feel like, you know, playing inside linebacker down at the Tropical Bowl, it helped me out a lot. Um, just to give me an invite to the combine, teams wanted to see how I move in space, which I played inside for, for two, three years, 
you know, since I've been at Carolina, um, just giving them, you know, they haven't seen me play it in a while. So they just want to see how I move, uh, see, you know, my style, see how I'm feeling, basically. So um, I'm definitely excited to get the opportunity to go down there and, and you know, represent Gangkai Nation the right way. Absolutely. And I know the interview process is very big for the uh, the NFL draft, stuff like that with GM. So we'll definitely make sure they hear this interview because I, I would say that uh, <laughs> say you did very well. I, I, I hope the Spurs hey, I Up show, we can that. only boost your NFL draft stock. That's that's our <laughs> Spurs Up show. We're boosting hey, the draft stock. Um, lastly, before <laughs> I let you go, it, yeah, lastly, before we let you go, Bryce, and obviously since, since we are a Gamecocks podcast, I want to ask you if you had to narrow it to one – uh, one memory, your favorite memory as a Gamecock. Right. Favorite memory as a Gamecock, I think uh, 2017 against Missouri. Um, just catching that interception, you know, just seeing, you know, seeing the way that we empty the stands uh, at Missouri. Um, I feel like that's, that's one of my that's one of my best moments as being a Gamecock. Um, and I feel like, you know, that memory will always be in my head forever. Yeah, I think you also created one of the best gifts as well when you were waving to the crowd. Oh, I, think yeah. you, I think you said you were waving to your mom in that one, but that, that's that. Right. Hey, I was definitely waving at the crowd. <laughs> dude, I, I think as long as social media exists, every Missouri week that gift or that video will be posted in some capacity because it is just too. It is just hey, too. Hey, order, order, look, order slide. This is the slide. The slide. Oh, on the, the slide. slide. That's a big up. one too. Yeah, hey, that was a big one too. That was that was that was a fun <laughs> moment for me. Yeah, I know you had to have a lot of fun seeing those on social media because, I mean, I don't know if it's right place, right time, or just the uh, the flair for the dramatics. <laughs> and I know everybody, they they really use those a lot. Those are, those are awesome. <laughs> sure. um, All right, la- yes, sir. I appreciate those. Yeah, no, lastly, before I let you go, I, d- I just want to get your opinion on someone that's that's obviously been the building, you know, with Coach Muschamp and seen the progression of this program. I know you've talked about it a little bit before, um, obviously the new indoor facility, which from everything that we've seen is fantastic. I know you've got to be a little salty that you're graduating, not going to be able to spend the next <laughs> right. couple of years in that indoor facility. But when you take a look at this program, how are your feelings on the job Will Muschamp is doing, not just, you know, the past couple of years or this year, but on for the future for South Carolina football? Um, I feel like, you know, he's, he's, he's way more caring than people give him credit for. I feel like, you know, he puts a lot of emphasis into – you know, who we are as people rather than who we are just as players. Um, you know, a lot of people just see Cousin Mustang for what he is off the field. Or, I mean, well, on the field um, and, you know, how he is in the media sometimes. You know, he might not be the, the friendliest person to the media, but to us, uh, he treats every single one of us like we're one of his own. Um, I think, you know, just with Cousin Mustang, the direction that he's taking the program, I can't wait to see him get on top because, you know, I, I know he's going to make sure that everybody that, you know, that's been a part of South Carolina since he's been there and even before, uh, you don't feel like they are part of, you know, the greatness that they're gonna that they're gonna achieve. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see where he's gonna take the program though. Um, like I said, I love Coach Muchunt. Um, he, you know, he's treated me like one of his own since the first day he got there. So Absolutely. Well, Bryson, we really do appreciate you taking the time. Obviously wish you best. No problem. Time. Like I said, the Spurs Up show will be 100% promoting you, endorsing you to uh, sleep <laughs> on Bryson Allen Williams this year, the NFL draft. He's the uh He's going to wake him up, man. He's going to wake him up pretty soon. <laughs> exactly. We're going to wake him up. But, yeah, Bryson, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Just want to say definitely from someone that uh, that bleeds garnet and black, that you know has been a South Carolina fan for a long time, we really do appreciate you, uh, the way you represented the University of South Carolina, the way you – continue to represent the University of South Carolina and just, you know, the way you played the game. We, we really do appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on again. 
Absolutely. So for Bryson Allen Williams and Thomas Floyd, uh, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next week on another edition of the first show.